You're listening to the Let's Talk Bible podcast, a Bible study podcast for kids and parents. We're your hosts, Will, Charlotte, and Chase, but we call him Dad. Dad'll work too. Each week, we're talking about the world of the Bible, along with interesting facts, history, and words to help you better understand what you read. The Bible doesn't have to be confusing. It actually makes a lot of sense. Sometimes you just need to talk it through. We hope our conversations help your family have some better conversations, too. Conversations are always good. We hope it helps us all know Jesus better and learn to follow him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Let's talk Bible. Well, we are back in Luke chapter 4 today, actually going to be finishing up Luke chapter 4. And do you remember what town we left off with last week where Jesus was teaching in the synagogue? Galilee. Galilee is the region, so that's close, but he was at his hometown. Do you, Charlotte, do you remember the name of Jesus' hometown? Nazareth. You got it. Nazareth in Galilee is exactly right. Well, today we're going to have Jesus teaching in another synagogue at another town in the region of Galilee. So we'll talk about that and we'll get to compare how the people responded in Nazareth and how they responded in this new town. Do you remember how Jesus's friends and family responded to his teaching in Nazareth? It said they were full of rage. It specifically said that they wanted Jesus to do the same miracles for them that they had seen him do in Capernaum. And when Jesus didn't do those miracles, it filled them with rage. That's exactly right. So what Luke gives us now is the story about what Jesus did in Capernaum. So let's get mom in and we'll read our passage for the week. Let's go, mom. Luke chapter 4, verse 31. So he went down to Capernaum, a town in Galilee, And on the Sabbath, he began to teach the people. They were amazed at his teaching because he spoke with authority. Now in the synagogue, there was a man who had the spirit of an unclean demon, and he cried out with a loud voice, Ha, leave us alone. Jesus the Nazarene, have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, Silence, come out of him. Then after the demon threw the man down in their midst, he came out of him without hurting him. They were all amazed and began to say to one another, What's happening here? For with authority and power, he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. So the news about him spread into all areas of the region. After Jesus left the synagogue, he entered Simon's house. Now Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever, and they asked Jesus to help her. So he stood over her, commanded the fever, and it left her. Immediately, she got up and began to serve them. As the sun was setting, all those who had any sick relatives with various diseases brought them to Jesus. He placed his hands on every one of them and healed them. Demons also came out of many, crying out, You are the Son of God. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew that he was the Christ. The next morning, Jesus departed and went to a deserted place. Yet the crowds were seeking him, and they came to him and tried to keep him from leaving them. But Jesus said to them, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns too, for that is what I was sent to do. So he continued to preach in the synagogues of Judea. Thanks, Mom. Well, let's do what we normally do. First of all, what did you notice about that passage? Was there anything that stood out to you or anything you'd like to know more about? It was weird how the demon threw Jesus on the ground. Yeah, he actually threw a man down on the ground because Jesus commanded the spirit out of the man. So yeah, yeah, that was in there. Jesus told the spirit to leave 
and it threw the man on the ground down on the ground, but it specifically said it didn't hurt him because Jesus was actually helping the man. So yeah, that was in there. Will, do you have any observations or questions from the passage? It's weird that Luke mentions the exact name of the person's house. Like Simon, he went to Simon's house. Who is Simon? And like, why is this sort of important? Hey, that is really good reading of the passage because that is going to become even more important in the next chapter. But to set us up for that, I actually think that's one of our important persons that we should learn about. So why don't we hit the button and guess what? A little surprise. I have an important place and an important person for us to learn about today. It's an important person, place, or thing. We've uncovered a person, place, or thing that's important for you to learn more about. Well, let's start off by talking about the important place. Did you learn about a new town in this passage? What was the name of that town? Capernaum. Capernaum is the new town that we learned about. Because remember, I said in our introduction, I think a part of what Luke wants us to do is he wants us to compare what happened at Nazareth in the story before this with what happened at Capernaum. We get these two places in Galilee. Now, Capernaum is actually on the north side of the Sea of Galilee. And if you went to Israel, you can visit the ancient site of Capernaum. They actually still have a synagogue there that's in ruins, but it's from a little later than Jesus' time. But you can actually see the foundation stones of the synagogue from the time of Jesus. And you can also see several houses there, which we'll come back to in a moment. Capernaum was one of the larger fishing villages around the Sea of Galilee, and most of the people who lived there would have worked as fishermen. So they were catching fish, not just for their own family, but they were catching fish and drying fish. There's a famous place on the Sea of Galilee in Magdala where they were processing fish as well. And all these little fishing communities would have packed up that fish and they would have shipped it off places and sold it to markets. And Capernaum actually sets on an important road that comes in from Syria to the north and runs along the Sea of Galilee. And so it was the kind of place where as Jesus was doing things, word would have spread and people would have heard what he was doing. So Capernaum is an important city because Jesus is doing ministry there. It seems like Jesus may have actually centered, based his ministry out of Capernaum. But it's also an important place because we learn about a new individual. What was the name? Will, you asked the question. What was the name of this important person we learned about? Simon. Simon it is. Well, Simon is actually going to show up in our next story, which next week is going to be a really important episode because Jesus is going to give us another example that's very different from what we've seen in Nazareth and Capernaum when Jesus begins to call his first disciples. But Simon is actually the name for a disciple that I bet you've heard of before. Simon is the name of Peter. Have you heard of Peter, the follower, the disciple of Jesus before? I sure have. Simon was actually Peter's name. Now, later on, Jesus will give Simon the name Peter. And in Greek, that's the name Petros, which literally means rock or stone. It's a kind of nickname. Not very many people or any at all would have been called rock. It's kind of like we might name someone Rocky. Uh, That's not really a name, but kind of a nickname. And in Jesus's day, the name Simon was really, really common. So, William, Will, that's a fairly common name. Charlotte, there's actually two Charlottes in your class at school. That's pretty common. And there's a Scarlet, too. Yeah, so those are common names. Simon was a very common name in the time of Jesus. And so it seems like Jesus gave him a nickname later on, and that nickname he would give him was Peter or Petros. So this is an important person because a lot of our story is going to involve Peter to come, and Peter is going to be really involved in the next chapter. 
But what we learn here in chapter four is that Jesus did miracles at Peter's mother-in-law's house. So let's think about that for a second. For Peter to have a mother-in-law, that meant Peter must have been married or have been married at some point. Maybe his wife had passed away or maybe she was still alive. But Peter had a mother-in-law, his wife's mother, who we read about lived at Capernaum and was running a high fever. And Jesus came and laid hands on her and healed her of her fever. So Simon would have probably known about this healing. And so that sets us up for when he will be called in the next passage. So that gives us our important place, Capernaum, and our important new person, Simon, who will later be called Peter. Can you say Capernaum? Capernaum. And can you say Simon Peter? Simon Peter. Well, let's get into our passage and talk a little bit more about what happened in today's passage of Scripture. So we already talked a little bit about what was taking place at Capernaum. Jesus was again teaching in the synagogue. And while he was teaching in the synagogue, remember we talked about synagogues in last week's episode, while he was reading probably from a scroll and teaching in the synagogue, and a man came who had an unclean demonic spirit. And so Jesus commanded that spirit to come out of the man, and it did. Part of what Luke's telling us is that even the demonic spirits, even Satan himself, is under the authority of Jesus's command, that Jesus has the power and the authority from God to cast out these evil spirits. From there, Jesus went into the home of Simon, Simon Peter's mother-in-law, who was sick. And Jesus did something really similar. He commanded the fever to leave her, and the sickness left. So not only does Jesus have authority or power over spirits, but Jesus also has the authority over sickness, that he could heal people. Well, news about this got out, and all of a sudden, all over Capernaum, anyone who had a sick relative or friend was bringing them to Jesus, and Jesus was healing them. Now, that's a pretty impressive story, don't you think, that Jesus has that kind of power? Yep, it sure is. But I'm not convinced that's the only thing this passage is about. Because there's a really interesting summary at the end of this passage. Because if we were right now going to compare Nazareth, how many miracles did Jesus do at Nazareth in our last story? Zero. That's right. A big part of what we talked about last week was, remember, the people at Nazareth, his friends and family, wanted him to do the miracles for them that he did at Capernaum. Well, next we read about the miracles Jesus was doing at Capernaum. And how many miracles did he do at Capernaum? A lot. A lot. It says he was healing basically anyone who was sick and anyone who had an unclean spirit. So you would think, well, things must be going a lot better in Capernaum than they did in Nazareth, right? But how does the passage end? Do you remember what Jesus does? It's kind of strange. He was leaving from there? Yeah, it actually says he got up in the morning and he went to a desolate place. It sounds like he snuck out. With Jesus having all of these miracles taking place, it's very strange that he would hide and sneak his way out of town. But the people found out where he was, and they rushed to him. And do you remember what it said about the people, what the people wanted? They wanted him to stay. It actually says if they could have, they would have kept him from leaving. Why do you think they wanted Jesus to stay so bad? Because they needed him, and he could heal people, and he could do miracles. They were really impressed with Jesus, weren't they? And they saw the power and the authority that he had, which is a good thing. He was healing people, which Jesus' heart was to heal people and help people. But instead of coming to Jesus and saying, Jesus, what should we now do? How should we now live? How can we follow you? 
Instead, they wanted to keep Jesus for themselves. They wanted to keep Jesus under their control instead of turning their lives over to Jesus and saying, Jesus, what does it mean to follow you? What you find is you find the people of Capernaum were actually not all that different from the people at Nazareth. Both of them really just wanted Jesus to do miracles. And neither one of them seemed all that interested in what Jesus actually had to say. And in neither of those cities did anybody fall down and worship Jesus, or did anybody fall down humble and ask how to follow Jesus. They really just wanted the power that Jesus had. So as different as Nazareth and Capernaum seemed, they actually, by the end of the story, actually sound a lot alike. In Nazareth, they led him out to the hill and tried to throw him off at a cliff. And at Capernaum, they followed him out into a desolate place and tried to keep him from leaving. Neither of them seemed very interested in actually following Jesus. You see that comparison, how they're actually a lot alike? Yeah. Now, part of the challenge of the way we're reading the Bible is we haven't quite got to what I think Luke is trying to set up as his main point. Why is Luke giving us these stories of Nazareth and Capernaum? Well, he's setting us up for our passage next week in which Jesus will call his first disciple. And as he does, we'll get to see an example of what it looks like to actually humble yourself and follow Jesus. And guess what? There'll be another miracle. But we'll get to see Jesus' disciple respond very differently to that miracle than the people of Nazareth or Capernaum. So that's a little bit of a, do you know what a cliffhanger is called? A cliffhanger when we end the story before we tell you what's going to happen next. That means you're going to have to come back and see next week's episode. That's right. You'll have to come back next week to get the rest of the story. Well, I've got a Greek word for us to learn, maybe two Greek words today for our word of the week, and they come right out of our passage. So let's learn some new words. Each week, we're learning a new word from the original languages of the Bible. You might not know it, but the Bible was originally written in Hebrew and Greek. And a little and Aramaic. And a little Aramaic, that's right also. Each week, we'll teach you an important word from these original languages so you can better understand the important themes of the Bible. So, let's learn our word of the week. All right, well, one of the important titles we get in this chapter is Jesus is described as being the Christ the Son of God. So I thought we might learn those words because they're pretty similar for Greek and they're connected to another couple words for us to learn. So let's start with Christ. The Greek word for Christ is Christos. You hear how they sound similar? Christ and Christos. Can you say Christos? Christos. Christos. In Greek, Christos means Christ. It's also where we get a theological term called Christology. Have you ever heard the word Christology before? have not. Where did it come from? Well, it comes from the word Christ, Christos, and ology means to study. Like, I bet you've heard of biology. I bet you've heard of zoology. That's where they study animals. Have you ever heard of that? Believe it or not, that's a real thing. Well, Christology or Christology means the study of Jesus Christ. If you went to seminary or Bible college, you'd probably take a class in it. But that helps us with the second word I want to show you in Greek. So our first word, Christos, Christ, And the second word is God. Jesus is said to be the son of God. In Greek, the word for God is theos. 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 All right, now let's think for a second. If Christos and Christology means the study of Jesus Christ, what might be a similar word for theos? Theology? Theology? 
theology. You got it right. When we talk about theology, studying theology or what your theology is, what we're talking about is the study of God. Do you see where that word comes from? Theos, theo, ology, to study. So theosology, the study of God. So we learned two Greek words, and it actually helped us better understand two English words as well. So let's say them again, Christos, which means Christ. Christos. Christos. And let's say in Greek, God, which is Theos. 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 Hey, excellent work. Those are two good words to learn. Well, let's get into our reflection and we'll pray over our passage of Scripture today. All right, well, you guys tell me, what did you take away from our conversation and uh, the passage from the rest of Luke chapter 4? It was cool hearing about, like, they had to, they wanted him to stay so bad, they chased him. That's right. They really were trying to keep control of Jesus. That's the image. They didn't want Jesus to leave. They wanted Jesus to do what they wanted him to do instead of doing what Jesus wanted them to do. Do you see the difference? You should always... You should always, instead of just asking God for miracles and just wanting him to do miracles, you should should humble yourself. Jesus wants us to bring our needs to him. So it's great to hope that he does miracles and to pray and believe and have faith that he will do miracles. But it's just as important that we say, how can we actually follow you, Jesus? Because if we just want Jesus to do miracles, but we don't want to obey him, we don't want to follow him or love him, We haven't really gotten the greatest miracle of all. And the greatest miracle is that he makes us a part of his family. He allows us to become sons and daughters of God. He dies for us and gives us salvation. That's the greatest miracle and the greatest gift. So we have to be willing to humble ourselves to listen to Jesus and to follow him. Well, let's wrap up today's episode in prayer, and we will be waiting that cliffhanger for next week when we get an example of how we should respond to Jesus as his followers. So let's pray. Well, Heavenly Father, we thank you for another great passage of Scripture today. We're thankful that you've shown us examples in Nazareth, but also examples in Capernaum of how we can be interested in you and even receive good things from you, but still not be willing to listen and follow you. And so I pray by your Holy Spirit, you would just prepare our hearts to be humble and our hearts to be willing to listen to you, to want to know what you teach us to do, and to be willing to follow you, that we might be like one of your true disciples. Prepare our hearts for next week as we get that image in the story to come. Jesus, it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. We have this little tradition in our house of offering a blessing before the kids go to school each day. In the book of Numbers, Aaron is given a blessing in which he puts God's name over his people. And we would like to offer you that blessing as we do each morning as well, too. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift his countenance to you and give you peace. And lots of peas to eat for lunch. Thanks for listening to the Let's Talk Bible podcast. You can find notes for today's show by going to letstalkbible.kids. There you'll find this week's scripture, family discussion questions, and the word of the week. You can also send us a message, maybe a question you have about the Bible. Parents, there's also a sermon for each of our episodes to help you dig deeper into the week's passage. We hope our conversations inspire your family for some conversations of your own. Thanks for listening.